0: Welcome to the second episode in the second season of Tech Talk here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am your host, Arie Lightstone. You can listen to us on jmintheam.org or nachumsegel.com. We are very proud to be sponsored by our dear friends at Adorama Camera, more than just a camera store. Please check them out online at adorama.com or as I do, visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. Today is a special, at least for me, hopefully for all of you as well, a very special show. Um, this is sort of the start of the school year. Not sort of, it is for almost everybody, almost everywhere, uh, the start of the school year. And with that, those of us who are students are back to school. Those of us who are parents have sent their kids off to school just this morning. Uh, my wife and I sent our three-year-old off for... I think they call it kindergarten here, or nursery, or whatever else it would be, but she went on a really, really big bus, and uh, she was excited. She came back and was told that she's allowed to stand up in the bus, uh, which we told her does not apply to cars, even if the cars are large. But on the bus, she's allowed to stand up, which strikes me as against the rules also, but that's not the purpose of Tech Talk here on the Nachum Siegel Network, but parents are sending their kids off to school for the first time, or for the 15th time, and, and they're going and... Uh, for many of us, it's it's expensive. Hopefully, it's an expense that we value and we treasure and we care tremendously about. But it's also a time for renewal. It's a time for education. It's a time uh, to really look and to see how our educational institutions are doing, uh, how they're innovating, how they're advancing. And uh, as those who listened to our shows last year, we know that we had numerous different opportunities. I believe five different episodes uh, had all or part of them dedicated towards various different new entrepreneurs in the field of education technology and some of the different innovations that we heard about that we listened to that we had the chance to check out uh if you're following me on twitter at lightstone a uh, if you haven't downloaded our app yet you'll be able to see some of these on our app as well please go and download the nakham Siegel app it really will enhance your listening and participating experience here on our show we on tech talk like not to speak at you but ideally to speak with you and we try to bring on guests uh, that uh, stimulate the conversation engage you uh, either at your uh, office or at home or somewhere on the road uh, we like to be there with you and to be a relevant part of your day so uh, so feel free to communicate with us visa the email or Twitter or what have you. And now everybody's wondering why I introduced the show by saying that this was a very special show. So I'm going to get back to that point right about now. Um, we have a guest who is near and dear to my heart. Uh, it happens to be my wife, uh, Mrs. Esty Lightstone, who also is the education technology integrator um, at HALB, at Hebrew Academy of Long Beach. And she runs and coordinates the middle school uh technology integration in addition to being a dynamic and engaging mora teacher there uh but we were blessed to be able to have her on the show today mostly to talk about what it's like not on the creation end although we're going to speak about that to a degree as well but what it's like on the implementation end and for some reason we'll ask this question and see see what she says as well. Uh, a lot of education technology has been focused on the middle school age. Um, In day schools and public schools, uh, really that has seemed to be to a great degree sort of the target. We'll call it fourth through eighth grade. That doesn't mean that there aren't advances and innovations in high school, and certainly there are advances and innovations in the lower schools, but it seems to be where there is an attempt at a full implementation process for whatever reason, because Kids in middle school aren't complicated enough, I guess. There's been an attempt to really integrate, uh, significant advances in technology across the board. And Esty is going to share with us today a little bit of what it's like to integrate, what it's like to integrate in a Jewish private school, what it's like to integrate for secular studies and for Judaic studies, and sort of to, uh, take us on a walk of what it's been like to, to be one of the leaders in Advancing Jewish Education Technology. Let me say that differently. Education technology in one of our top Jewish day schools. So uh, without any further ado, I'd like to introduce to our show, Esty Lightstone. Hi, Esty. How are you today?
1: Good. How are you? Um,
0: For me, I think I mentioned this to you a little bit beforehand. To me, this is really exciting because oftentimes people ask me, what is it that your wife does? And frankly, I I don't know, I I imagine many people out there listening are like, yeah, we haven't had an hour conversation, just like, what's your day like? Like, you you can there's a component of it that you speak about, you know, this part was great and this part wasn't, and we didn't do this. And then next thing you know, a kid like dumped the, the chicken soup over and, and, and we've got to pay bills and, and we had two bar mitzvahs and a bat mitzvah and a graduation to go to and whatever else it will be, which are all wonderful things. But I can't remember the last time we've sat together and just spent an hour, you know, sort of discussing what, what do you do? So this is pretty exciting for me, <laughs> Asti. So thank you for taking the time.
1: No problem.
0: Thank you. Uh, and thank you to the Nachum Siegel Network for, uh, enabling us to enhance our marriage in this uh, (laughs) level of communication. That's pretty exciting to me as well. So without any further ado, um, can you walk us through a little bit how you got into education? We'll get to education technology a little bit later, but how did you get into education?
1: So even as a high school student, I was always into giving over information in a creative way. So it kind of was a natural Department for me to go into. So when I was in college, I I dabbled in psychology and then ultimately went into education where I felt most comfortable.
0: Okay, so when you say dabbled in psychology, to me that explains a lot of our parenting techniques, (laughs) but we're not going to address that at the moment. So when what was it? Meaning, how how did that drive you as a career? in terms of deciding that you were going to do this and, and just sort of walk us through what was your first job out of college, how did that make you feel about education, how did that propel you to your next job, et cetera. I think it's important for for our audience out there to sort of understand the evolution of a, you graduated Stern. Um, uh, again, you majored in psychology, I believe. Right? Mm-hmm. These are things yeah. I knew <laughs> once upon a time. You majored in psychology, and your first job out of college was what?
1: Uh, my first job out of college was I, I was an assistant teacher in Manhattan Day School. I was working in a special education classroom where I really had to do a lot of differentiated instruction because it was myself and uh, the head teacher who really had to divide up the class. And honestly, it was really kind of the geschmack, I want to say, or the excitement that I got um, uh, from uh, from teaching a, a child who, whether they were struggling or whether, you know, was a mainstream um, kid, but to kind of give over information in a way that they would understand it, and for them to come back and then either, you know, use that information in another way really gives a lot of satisfaction.
0: So we're going to pause right here. What we try to do here on Tech Talk is to make sure that while we speak to the audience and with the audience, it's not necessarily at, we try to define almost everything that we say that might not be in the regular vernacular of our audience, so those people in education would certainly know what differentiated instruction is, it seems to be a very popular uh, term, um, but for those of us who don't, like myself, could you just define to the audience, please, what do you mean by differentiated instruction?
1: So differentiated instruction is a pretty big word out there in education. Um, and basically the way that most classrooms go is that you teach to the middle because you can't teach the whole class to the top. and You can't, you know, give the entire lesson to the top of the class, nor can you do it to the bottom of the class, so therefore you kind of aim for the middle and hope that everybody gets it. So uh, the term differentiated instruction really means to be able to differentiate your lesson so that you have, you know, whether it's group work or whether it's, Um, you know, different handouts you're giving out to different leveled students. It's a way to reach each student on their own level.
0: So if I understand this correctly, translate this into radio host uh, terms Mm -hmm. instead of educators' terms, that uh, really if you have a class of 18 students, um, while you might have one overarching lesson plan, it really has possibly as many as 18 sub-components involved in that lesson. Each student has almost an individual goal, maybe for each lesson, certainly throughout each course. Is that a fair statement?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay. So differentiated education was something that you first really got exposure to in your first job out of college, which was at MDS, dealing with uh, special ed. I I wonder, and I I asked this without knowing what the answer would be, um, did that become – was that something that was highlighted Because in special ed, it's much easier not to group everybody into one group. As opposed to if you walk into a mainstream class, and I'm just brainstorming out loud here, if you walk into a mainstream class, there's a possibility that, yeah, these are all good kids. That one's a little bit better in this subject and a little bit worse in that subject. And it's it's easier to see it's a homogeneous group. But if you're looking at special ed students, perhaps this one with a very specific learning diagnosis and that one with a very different specific learning diagnosis – you're forced almost to deal with them as individuals while they're all studying in the same classroom.
1: Yeah, so it's interesting because in a special education classroom, it's – it's an expectation and it's geared for differentiated instruction because you know in a if you have a special ed class if you have 10 kids in that class they're obviously all going to be on different levels because most of the time they have special learning needs so uh, the truth is is that in education every you know most mainstream educators also find that uh, that not every student is on a different level so it's it's pretty ideal to be able to have that uh, that Concept that you can make different levels and group them into different things. So it 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 definitely was highlighted for me in the special ed environment, but really I think it opened my eyes to realize you know what even in mainstream education you need that also.
0: Sure, and I bring that up and try to highlight that because on previous episodes of Tech Talk and what we try to do here is to find it. I'm not sure I'm using this word correctly in this context, but the etymology, really the root of where some of these innovations come from. Last week we had an opportunity to speak, uh, you know, about Iron Dome and and some of the technologies that come out through necessity in Israel. They absolutely need to come up with a different thing to export, a way to make things smaller, uh, a way to see now underground, a way to shoot things out of the sky, various different components like that. And then, boom. That was not a good pun, <laughs> right, that you wind up with almost instantaneously an opportunity to use things in a different way, in a commercial way, instead of perhaps a destructive way, but a necessary destruction out of necessity. You wind up with a situation that you're able to go and build something brand new uh, that, uh, that nobody who, who wasn't faced with those challenges would have ever thought of beforehand. So maybe it's honed from the experience in. A special needs classroom, that's where one is most able to see um, the power the need for specific differentiated instruction. I believe we – not I believe. I'm positive. We had a guest on last year, Jason, uh, from a company, Books That Grow. and uh, And I believe – We'll, we'll uh, I'll tweet out the episode a little bit later uh, this week again at Lightstone A if you're following me on Twitter. Um, but he spoke. Uh, I think that his background also came. He also came from a psychology background. He saw through differentiated tutoring, even tutoring in groups of two and three, that that still wasn't specific enough. That there was a necessity to be able to teach the way uh, kids would read uh, in a different and refined way. Really coming from the the special needs background. Okay. So anyways, so you were at MDS for how long? For one year. And after that, what did you do?
1: Then afterwards, I uh, taught in Hank for six years. And in Hank, I was, that's Hebrew Academy of Nassau County. Um, and uh, I was a Mora where I taught grades seven through ten. And I taught Jewish history, and Navi, and Tefillah. And uh, I did programming and things like that.
0: So almost exclusively Judaic studies from a formal classroom setting, but you also had an opportunity to interact with the students in an informal setting as well. Yeah. Can you describe for the audience what the value was to taking on those additional outside of the formal classroom uh, responsibilities and how that then affected perhaps your inside the classroom effectiveness?
1: Sure. Um, I mean, We all know that having a relationship with the students is extremely important in teaching. So when I was able to interact with them outside of the classroom, whether it was special trips or whether it was sitting at lunch with them or whatever it may be, to have that other interaction for them to see me, especially in an informal setting, um, and for me to get to know them a little bit better, it kind of has that in-classroom environment that a, they want to behave a little bit better because if they have a relationship with me, they don't want to disappoint me or they don't want to, um, you know, do poorly. I mean, it also just enhances the class because then they're more engaged. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, we can kind of just have a good time in the classroom um, while still being structured, obviously, um, uh, if we have that relationship.
0: So we're going to take one moment and just remind our audience that you're listening to Tech Talk on the Nachum Segal Network. I'm your host, Arye Lightstone. We are pleased to be joined here by a special guest this week, Mrs. Estee Lightstone. Yes, we're related. Mm-hmm. You can listen to us on jmintheam.org or nachumsegal.com. We are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera, more than just a camera store. Please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West Eight. Street. I would point out that if you haven't downloaded our app, this is a friendly reminder to go to the Google Play Store or the iTunes Store on your Android or Apple device and download our app. It really does enhance the listening experience. I know that as far away as Denver and London and Mexico City and and elsewhere, I was driving up and down in, in the middle of Texas, uh, and I had my Nachum Siegel app on, and I knew I wasn't that far removed uh, from being able to listen to my favorite hosts and hostesses and certainly my favorite network here on the Nahum Siegel Network. Um, we're not going to speak anymore about Texas at the moment, but I do want to catch everybody up on that, maybe in a future episode. You know, when we introduced the show, Esty, I, I made a terrible, um, I don't want to say mistake, I left out a critical group uh right we've got grandparents and parents sending their stu- their uh kids and grandkids off uh nieces nephews uncles aunts great um we also have students going off for the first time and the 15th time off to school and maybe they're transitioning to elementary school or middle school or high school or even university or graduate school or what have you um but there're also teachers um who are going back now they've been preparing for the course of the, throughout the course of the summer um some are walking to their very first job like you did, some are walking into a new job for the very first time, uh, and some have been doing this for 10, 15, 20 years, and I'm reminded as we get to this season on the Jewish calendar, um, that feeling of here it comes again, and it all sort of hits you in September, whether it's the high holidays that are coming up, or the school year that's coming up, or you know, after Labor Day, work really starts changing again to a great degree, and you sort of get this feeling, and For me, it's a gut-check opportunity to go ahead and say, what am I going to do differently this year? How am I going to enhance my skills, my career, my family, whatever the things are that I'm going to do? So I really wanted – and I feel bad for not having done this. uh, We don't give teachers nearly enough credit um, for their preparation in the summer, but also their enthusiasm to walk in on that first day of school, um, whether it's their first time walking into school. So it might be deer-in-the-headlights enthusiasm – or the 30th first day that they've had, um, and there's a seasoned veteran who I think understands that you have to capture as much as you can on the first day because the second day is not the first day, and certainly the 150th day is not the first day of school either. Uh, so a special shout-out to all the teachers uh, who are probably teaching at this moment while you're Probably not while you're listening, but you're going to listen to us on an archive, which is great and fine, and we'll tweet it out, and you'll be able to access us and listen to us on the way to and on the way from, but I want to dedicate the next two or three questions to those teachers, whether it's their first time ever teaching in a classroom, or pardon me, it's their 10th or 15th or 20th year, um, the first thing that I learned from the first segment is the importance of your relationship with the students um, can and should exist also outside of the formal classroom, and that enhances the formal classroom experience. And that, I think, is very important, and learn that from, from SD in a meaningful and sincere way. Um, the second component is for parents who are out there. Look, it, it doesn't take very much for in today's society for, for our flags to go up when, when we ask that the teachers is asked to spend special time with our kids or whatever else it would be, um, and there are clear and appropriate ways that that needs to happen and clear and inappropriate ways that that must never happen. Um, but we, we as institutions, we as a community, we as schools, must find the correct ways for our teachers to be able to interact with our students in, in appropriate and, and phenomenal ways outside the classroom because that's only going to enhance their in-the-classroom experience. If you look at the amount of hours... That the kids are inside of the classroom, um, if you can spend fifteen minutes outside of the classroom with that student once a week, the whole rest of those hours that you're in the classroom are going to be not incrementally different but exponentially different
1: right and it doesn't even have to be as much as fifteen minutes. It could even be you know a special something in the hallway of you answered so you know such a great. Answer today, or you ask such a great question in class you know even just something as they walk out the door, the fact that you recognize something special that they did um, uh, it it really goes a very long way
0: okay, so I think that's important and I think that uh, sometimes we as we as educators or or as parents, whatever else it needs to be just to, to be reminded of some best practices that are out there okay so you spent you spent seven years at Hank. Um, uh, honing and perfecting your teaching, growing as you, as you were doing that, and then you had a unique uh, uh, educational opportunity yourself. Uh, maybe walk us through what that opportunity was and why you decided that was the right time to grab it in terms of graduate school.
1: So Yeshiva University offered, um, through their Azraeli Graduate School for Jewish Education, they offered a special five-towns um, group. Where it was a two and a half year program.
0: For those of us listening in Mexico City, Denver, (laughs) or on a ranch in Texas, the Five Towns is a small Jewish hamlet uh, located on Long Island, New York. Yeah, thanks. And from as a Denver guy, I don't I don't like people to assume that they know where the Five Towns is. Sorry, go ahead.
1: Good job. So uh, what this afforded us was that instead of traveling to Washington Heights, we're from. Um, Long Island, it could take anywhere from 45 minutes to two and a half hours, depending on what traffic is. Um, especially at six o'clock or really any time of the day. Um, uh, they, uh, they offered to bring the, the professors to us, and it was a special group of about 50, about fifteen to eighteen educators, um, all from local schools and all experienced educa- educators. I, was teaching for eight years at that point in time, and I was the least experienced, or one of the 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 fewer um, years behind my back. Um, so it, it, it really was incredible in terms of what, what we were able to learn from the professors, and especially what we were able to learn from just our cohort.
0: And one of the focuses, I believe, in that graduate program was um, differentiated instruction, as well as, I believe, Components of technology, is that correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Our teachers, our professors um, in the course really wanted to give us um, real and current uh, topics that are going on in education today. Um, So, technology is definitely one of them, differentiated instruction. We had things, uh, you know, we had different courses on, uh, um, you know, special needs students and uh, just different types of courses through many different topics, uh, which was really phenomenal.
0: And so we don't get too much further into the hour of tech talk without getting into the nitty-gritty of technology. Let's move into that, and then we'll sort of come back at the end in terms of how you made this pivot, because I think the pivot is fascinating from a career perspective, and, and I do like to focus on the the career decisions that the entrepreneurs or the professionals make on the show, because I think that part resonates as much as the um, technical components of the technology but I think it is important for those of us who are listening to this show sort of wondering what's the latest and greatest? What, what role does technology play? You know, I've got these boards that if I press them buttons, you know, things happen in the classroom. And that's pretty cool. I don't know how that changes education. Um, you know, I've got these iPads, which is awesome to, you know, put on top of my notes so they don't blow away on a windy day. You know, sort of what do I do with these things? Um, so really without further ado, I want to jump right into a couple of key questions. Um, we'll start with, Small, and then we'll sort of expand from there into big. Um, in the time that now you've been involved in integration of technology at Halb, um, what's been one of the coolest or most unique um, implementations of something with technology? It could be very small, it could be very big. How, however, you would describe it, something that you sort of walked home and said Uh aha, I really wish in 6th grade or 12th grade or whatever grade it would be that I had that when I was a student.
1: So um, one of the things that I think is the most powerful tool uh, that technology can assist with in a classroom are the real-time assessments. Um, There was a class that I was teaching this past year where we were able to present a kind of regular PowerPoint presentation. However, all of the students had that presentation on their iPad. I, as the teacher, was able to manipulate which slides the students were looking at, and they weren't able to manipulate it on their own. And uh, additionally to that, I was able to give assessments in real time as I was going through my slides. So at the end of a class period, every teacher kind of knows what they taught, but they don't actually know what the students have learned. So by by being able to do real-time assessments, it it it, it shows me, At that point in time in my class, after I just taught a slide about whatever it may be, I can give one or two questions that every single student answers, and I see all of their results Instantaneously on my own device. So um, most teachers, um, just because you're only one person, you you do like the spot checking for check for understanding. You know, you call on one student. What you know to clarify whatever point you just made. But uh, you know, when you have 20 kids in the class, it's very hard to get an assessment of all of the students. So by using technology. I, I find that the real-time assessments are really powerful because, at the end of the day, I don't know—I don't only know what I taught, but I can also tell you what all of my students have learned.
0: Now, let it not be said that I am not as challenging with my wife as I am with our other guests. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy your answer very much, but I'm going to go back to the question that I'd asked beforehand <laughs> um, because I understand why, as a teacher, today. I've been teaching for five years, I've been teaching for 15 years, I've been teaching for 25 years, and I now have that ability for instantaneous assessment, and I I love the phrase that you used. I Now a teacher normally knows what they've taught, now there's the ability to know what the students have learned. Did I say that correctly? Yes. Okay, but if you were a student, Mm -hmm. and maybe because you were very grade conscious and you wanted to know exactly what you learned after each class, what have you seen that the teachers have used uh, under your watch and guidance, that you would say, wow, as a student, that really would have changed the way I looked at that one class, that one idea, that one concept. W- what do you think is there from a student's perspective? Now, I'm going to give you time to think about this, but we're going to answer that before the end of the show. I want you to come back to me and say kindly, um, this is the most demanding I've been able to be in like <laughs> eight years of marriage. This is great, right? At the, I'd like you to come back and say – This is something that I think really gave an aha moment to the students, Um, and it's reasonable to posit, although I don't think it's the case, but it's reasonable to posit that the students – it's not an aha for the students because the students live doing this stuff pretty much in every other environment that they're in. So it's a possibility that when we introduce that into the classroom, they're like, ah, you guys finally caught up, <laughs> right? Maybe it's not an aha. Uh-huh. Uh, but I've seen on, on various different tours of various different schools, yours included, um, some different things that I know as a student I would have had an aha. Uh-huh. So I, I want you to brainstorm uh, about that a little bit. We're going to move on. Before we move on, really want to take this opportunity again to thank uh, Esty Lightstone, <laughs> education technology integrator and MORA, teacher extraordinaire at the Hebrew Academy of Long Beach, um, running the middle school technology integration, um, and she is our guest here on Tech Talk on the Nachum Segal Network. It is our second episode during our second season. I'm your host, Arya Lightstone. You can listen to us on jmintheam.org or NahumSiegel.com. We are very proud to be sponsored by our good friends at Adorama Camera. More than just a camera store, please check them out online at Adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. We've dedicated this show during back-to-school season on going back to school. Um, and instead of looking at it from a student's perspective uh, or from a Uh, entrepreneur trying to sell something to a school, which we had a chance to do last year, and we will have a chance in a couple of weeks to go ahead and revisit that. really want to dedicate this show to the heroes of the educational system, which are the teachers and the people who enable the teachers to be more effective uh, at what they do. And that really goes, I think, to the next line of questioning that I wanted to ask you, Asti, is where does technology help a teacher, and where does technology Become another thing that a teacher has to do in an already busy, busy schedule.
1: So that's a good question. Um, uh, we, Thank you. <laughs> when I meet with teachers, uh, my job—just to tell you what a technology integrator does—is
0: uh, everybody listen very carefully.
1: <laughs> is uh, my job is to meet with the teachers to uh, to tell them to guide them and show them how technology can be useful uh, in their classroom. So uh, if technology is not making their class more effective and is not helping the teacher be more efficient, then uh, we stray away from technology and we say, great, just use your pen and paper. And there's always a time when technology is useful and there's always a time when technology is not useful. Um, I, for each teacher, it's different. I don't think there's one blanket rule to say that technology is good for this and it's not good for that. It is a tool that can be used – sorry, it, it is a tool when used correctly um, and efficiently and with the comfort of the teacher, it can definitely enhance the classroom and also hopefully help the teacher and either decrease their workload or just make their lesson more organized. So I don't think there's one way to say that it's it's good for this and it's not good for something else.
0: Right. So I'm going to push a little bit on that. You know, you have some things that I agree are targeted teacher by teacher, classroom by classroom, all with the goal of enhancing that teacher's effectiveness and the educational outcomes in that classroom, right? Yeah. Good. But you also have Full school deployments of various different things. So let's talk for a moment about things that you parents at home uh, for schools who are might be doing it for the first time this year or uh, maybe they're in their second or third year and you're not necessarily understanding it because it hasn't been explained to you or grandparents who haven't been interested yet or people about to send their kids to school and somebody fits into one of those demographics out there listening. Um, there These things called learning management systems. Um, and a lot of schools now have recently – I'd say in five years is probably the oldest that schools have been at. Many one, two, maybe three years have been actively using this. I know your school uses one. Uh, would you mind telling the audience, A, what an LMS is – that's Learning Management System – and uh, and why that's important for a full school deployment and how you think that makes a school a better place?
1: So a learning management system is uh, a place where students and teachers or parents and teachers can communicate. So there are many different learning management systems out there. If anybody has heard of them, they're such like Parent Locker or Edmodo or Schoology or Haiku or whatever it may be. Um, uh, So there are many different options um, out there today, and there are always new ones coming. Google just came out with one as one called Google Classroom. I haven't really... Learned much about that yet, uh, but basically, what a learning management system is, at the very least, um, or as Halb is using it, we're, we're using the learning management system called Haiku, and at the very least, it's a place to post homework and to post tests and kind of like an online calendar for for the students. Uh, but even more than that, it's a way for for the students and the teachers to kind of interact regarding their subject material in a digital format. So for instance, uh, we have teachers who can do discussions or they can do polls or students can hand in materials virtually to a teacher. So that's beneficial to a teacher because they have less papers to carry around. They know the night before uh, or, you know, walking into the classroom the next day, they know how many students have completed the homework. If the if the teacher can or, you know, if they have the time or whatever it is, they, they, they can even look at the homework uh, before walking into the classroom the next day. Um, and for the students, it's also beneficial because they, you know, they don't have to write something in and, you know, write something up and hand it to the teacher the next day. It's also, it's, there's a lot more of the instant feedback between the students and the teachers this uh, th- this past year, Hal had the Haiku learning management system from grades six through twelve. This year uh, we have opened it up from K through twelve so the entire uh, school is using it. and obviously the younger grades have it a little bit different. It's you know th- that's more of a parent to teacher communication of newsletters or pictures or kind of like a school web you know like a class website. Where the older grades, really grades four, five through twelve, are using it as a two-way street between the teachers and the students.
0: So, in addition to enhancing organization, which makes sense to me as as a, I'd say as a student, but a student in life, I've never mastered organization. Um, so I don't know. True. If, uh, thank mm-hmm. you. I don't know if they have haiku for life. That would be something I'd be interested in investing in. But uh, in addition to the organization and instantaneous feedback and the benefits that you explained what are some of the additional components that a learning management system gives that enhances uh, the life of a teacher in terms of uh, lesson planning from year to year or being able to mentor other teachers or in terms of being able to differentiate instruction? How, how is that a tool in order to help the teacher provide better educational outcomes for their students?
1: So the teachers can post on their on their class sites uh Videos or web links or extra help, you know you know whether it's worksheets or whatever it may be, they can post additional things, or they can also set it up so that a group of students sees a video and a second group of students sees a worksheet, and a third group of students um, has to answer some questions. so they can set it up that way also so that certain uh, students are are learning on their own level. Uh, For students who have devices in the classroom, they can also use the learning management system in the classroom. So they can say, everybody open up to Haiku. The first thing we're going to do or, you know, or or you can break it up into groups. One group is going to be watching a video with uh, headphones for five minutes while another group is working on a worksheet. And the other five minutes, you know, and and the third group, I'm going to be working with them one on one on one. So it uh, really... Give so many different options for teachers to use, whether it's in a classroom or, or at home.
0: And so thank you for enlightening us uh, on what an LMS is and how it can be most used in a school. I'm sure many of you out there are now becoming more familiar with them. And, and as Asti pointed out, there are many different quality learning management systems. What she did point out right now, which I think is not well recognized, and I think this is an important thing, if you look at various different professions, um, there's continuing education that goes for best practices for those professions. That's 100% true and in, in incredibly valuable. Law and medicine and engineering and science and, and you name it, it probably has some form of continuing education that, that's important. And education itself has forms of continuing education that are also valuable. The relatively new position in schools – private and public, of education, technology, or some of them are called um, uh, chief innovation officers and and numerous different titles for them. I think there are a lot of pretty cool titles out there for a pretty cool um, profession that I I don't think SD uh, articulated well enough to the audience the absolute enormity of the things that have been developed in the last three years for the world of education vis-a-vis technology. I know that you were recently at a massive um conference called ISTI, I believe. Mm-hmm. Can you walk the audience through for one moment what that was like for you, the the breadth, perhaps the depth, the way it would be overwhelming for a teacher who does not have full time pursuit of doing these things, and how you took knowledge from that conference and hopefully were able to instill it for the individual teachers Uh, That work with and for you? Um, That was a lot of questions. Try to do your best with that.
1: So, the ISTE conference is the biggest educational technology conference of the year. Uh, And one thing that I got uh, by walking into this conference, where there, I think, were over 6,000 people at this conference. So, first of all, as a teacher, as a classroom teacher, I've I've never been anywhere for my job. You know, I go to my class, you know, I I go to my school, and I might go to another school for some. uh, other events or something but I, like as teachers we don't normally go to conferences and things like that so it was huge and kind of to be able to uh, to feel like you're part of something larger was something that was really awesome i met people there who were from uh, all, all all over the country and also all over the world There were people who were presenting who were either experts in the field of whatever they were presenting about, whether it was a program that they were selling or a company or whatever it may be. And there were also just regular teachers that were saying, hey, look at this project that I did with my class. It was really cool and it worked, so why don't you try it too? the collaboration um with educational technology between teachers is unbelievable what's going out what's going on out there the sharing everything is is up in a cloud based uh, folder where somebody else can can access just sitting next to somebody at a conference and just talking about oh what do you, what do you teach and what do i teach and what kind of students you have and what kind of devices do you have and then all of a sudden 45 minutes later you come out with amazing ideas one thing that i liked a lot um uh, about ISTI was uh, that uh, there were also a lot of schools who brought students there as well. So you had the students there who were talking to us educators. A, some of them knew more than we did. Um, and B, they, they, they were so proud of uh, what what they created and that it put them in such a leadership position to be able to explain to us adults look at what I did, and look at how proud I am, and look how much I learned by creating it on my own. As opposed to just somebody telling me something, I actually learned it on my own, or I developed whatever project it, project it was, and you can see that the learning was so much deeper and so much more more effective for these students from the fact that they were able to do that.
0: And now we've jumped into something else, and we're not done with ISTE, but we're going to take a quick pause on the segue that Esty's brought up, which is really a, a major movement in the last I'll say seven years, but maybe a little bit less than that, than project-based learning, which is different than differentiated instruction to a degree. Would you define for us, please, SD project-based learning and how technology can be beneficial in terms of developing intense project-based learning?
1: Sure. Project-based learning is a way for the students to – I mean, it's very much how it sounds – to create a project mm-hmm. – Um, about whatever topic it is. So uh, I walked into a science class where the teacher wasn't teaching them about the periodic table of elements. The teacher had prepared a worksheet for for the students and each group got a different element. And uh, by using a Chromebook in the classroom, they were able to do research on it, answer all of the questions, and then either they swapped or then the students taught, ta- taught the rest of the students. But it wasn't the teacher teaching them, but it was the students that were learning about it.
0: Right. There's a famous Talmudic adage, uh, famous saying from the Gemara that, uh, we'll, we'll just say it in English, that a person prefers one of something that they earn than nine of something that was given to them. And I think that's one of the fundamental challenges that we've discovered in education, that you can have great educators right, who are able to give over phenomenal amounts of material in very creative and and entertaining ways. But even maybe the best educator who gives it over in the best possible way, maybe the educator who might even provide a superior opportunity for those students is the one who allows the student to get that last conclusion on their own. And to me... That's what project-based learning really allows the student to do, self-discovery, understanding, and really concretizing it on their own. That doesn't take away from the teacher. In some ways, it makes the teacher's job more challenging. Maybe speak to that for a minute.
1: So it's a little bit – it's definitely more preparation work on the teacher's end because it's kind of almost easier to tell somebody something as opposed to creating – a lesson where you want to make sure that the students find the right information and that they're finding it either, you know, if, if in the right sequence so that it all makes sense to them. So it definitely is more time intensive for the teacher in terms of preparation. Um, but normally it takes a few lessons, uh, I guess, depending on what you're teaching, but the outcomes of it are are, are very strong from what the students learn. And that's something that we're finding also in in how we have iPads in the classroom for the sixth and seventh grade. And uh, one of our key categories is also the creativity that an iPad or really any device of technology uh, allows in the classroom, because the students are able to uh, to express themselves in terms of what they know through the means of what they're most comfortable with, meaning using technology. So whether it's creating an iMovie or some sort of presentation or whatever manipulating things that, that they can do with an iPad, we find that it's very powerful and the kids are obviously so excited about it because this is what they do on their free time. So by being able to incorporate what they've learned in class by, with, by what they like doing is a win-win for everybody.
0: Right, and the teacher is, isn't fighting the battle of trying to capture their attention while they're in the classroom, which is sometimes where the teacher will spend X percent of their energy, 20, 30, 40 percent of their energy. Now they're not challenging it to get the students to focus. They're challenging it on what they're focusing on because they're already focused in, which I think has value. Remind me, we're going to get back to it in one moment, please, Estee. With the freedom and creativity comes that feeling of a parent of, uh-oh, My kid can do anything? That's terrifying. So we're going to get to that in one moment. I I just want to to drill the point home for the audience to understand how, I don't have a better word for it than crazy, this industry of education technology is in terms of the advancements that have occurred. I think that the conference that Asti was referring to, ISTE, um, has thousands upon thousands of attendees and has over a thousand exhibitors which means that I can't imagine how large the exhibit hall is. It must be pretty large.
1: It's Um, huge, yeah.
0: But each one of them offering something else that they feel either serves a very small niche but effectively or something very broad that can affect an entire school, maybe as effectively or maybe not as effectively. And and you're talking about a brand-new industry. When they talk about seasoned experts in education technology, you know, you're probably talking about somebody eight, ten years in the industry max. Um, the technology is changing that quickly. The willingness of the schools to get involved with that is only beginning to change now in the last three to five years. Um, so I think that's exciting. And that that also means, though, with all things that innovate, we have to be patient with the – um, schools and institutions and adjusting nobody wants to make your kids or my kids or anybody else 's kids the guinea pigs, but there 's also the demand that we all have to to grow and to improve and to advance um, as rapidly but effectively and and responsibly as possible so let 's talk about responsibly for a moment. There might be parents or Certainly like people like me who come and say, one second, you're giving my kid freedom. I'd rather you not give my kid freedom, right? What, what, what are you doing? So speak about some of the challenges that you have and what some of the tools are that are out there to make sure that the school is a responsible environment still for students having access to technology.
1: So that definitely is a big concern uh, for parents. And I, as a parent, I can also definitely hear that, that here you are giving my my child, a, a an expensive device that I didn't want to buy for them, but listen, the student, the school is giving it to me. So, so how, you know, wh- what do you want me to do with this? So, the the iPads that we give to the students for the year, they don't keep them for, forever. We loan it to them for the year, um, is all for educational purpose. We manage all of the iPads so that they do not have the Safari browser. They have a safe browser on there. Um, They do not have iMessage. They cannot download apps freely. They they don't have a lot of those fun things. So it's a little bit of a disappointment to the students when they first get their iPads and then they're like... Wait, but where my but like where's my iMessage and where's my FaceTime and where are all the fun things that I really want to do with this? So uh, it's at that point in time that we have to break the news to them that this is not a toy for you. This is a, it, this is an educational tool that hopefully will be fun, but will be used for education. So uh, there there are systems out there that's called an MDM, which is a which is a device management system. Um, so uh, there are many companies out there. Uh, the one that we are using in HALB is AirWatch. There are different ones. Apple has one that's called Casper. There are a million, you know, just like, uh, as you said, this industry is booming. There are new companies coming out with, with many different things. Uh, so through this uh, MDM, we are able to send out apps that we have, you know, e- either bought for the students or whatever it may be, and we can send it out to them. And we also have a whitelist of apps where the students can download those apps when needed. And if a student does try to download an app that is not approved by the school, um, it's actually pretty cool what happens. Their, their device actually shuts off uh more or less where they they don't have any or barely any apps and they have to come to me to reset their iPad. So and and I also get an email immediately telling me which student downloaded something and what they downloaded as well. So uh, you kind of have that like big brother watching to make sure that the students aren't downloading things that they're not supposed to be downloading.
0: So that's very interesting and and I think we should be aware that there is a whole industry that was aware of this as you've got Innovators pushing the envelope in terms of the ability and the enhancements in education technology, of which there are many i 'd say that we you know even if the industry of security did not evolve the benefits i don 't want to say outweigh the the detriments, but there are many, many benefits. You see that student excelling, you see the teacher. With an easier workload, b- being able to teach more and more effectively their benefits to technology. But you see, as the, as the industry pushing education technology has grown, you also see the education technology security business ha- has grown tremendously. And, and, and at most of the conferences, I think you mentioned to me, that's one of the first booths you see on the way in and one of the first mm-hmm. last booths you see on the way out. So while, while you innovate with all these things, just be aware of the appropriate proverbial fences that you have to put up because we have to be good stewards of our students, their minds and the things that they do have. Have the access to and without our minds even going to some of the crummy things, <clears throat> pardon me that uh, uh, that uh, that students might by accident uh, try to access. You know, there's a thought that in a classroom, it's just another thing that might be a distraction. Let's assume nothing inappropriate is going on or untoward is going on. What tools, what ability do you have to um, make sure that the device is not an unwanted distraction in the classroom? Do you have the ability as a teacher to control Uh, their iPads to be able to have, like, eyes front or to be able to know what they're looking at on the iPad while you're up there as the teacher. Is that something that exists in terms of technology?
1: It does exist. There are certain programs that will do that. Some of the some of these MDMs actually come with it. I know the one that uh, that we're we're using. It's in its infancy, but they are creating that so that the the teacher does have that control. But the truth is, is that if a teacher has classroom management, um, uh, you know, if 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 they have good classroom management, they can always tell a student. Put away your iPad, or we're not using the iPads today, and it's totally the teacher's control. So, however, they want to use them in their classroom. So, it's totally up to them. But I, we we haven't done yet in our classes anything that uh, that I can see exactly what's on all of the students' iPads.
0: Okay, but the technology's out there, and you're considering some level of implementation when the technology catches up to what you're looking for it to accomplish.
1: For sure, by by. Uh, December, the latest, Uh, we should have that.
0: Great. So I want want to throw out three more things. uh, And with that, we'll try to wrap up the show. But you're going to give us that aha moment that you would have had if you were a student in in your school. Um, Item number one, um, I want you to speak, please, about you came into the school as a technology integrator. And you have teachers who have been doing this for 40 years. You've got teachers who have been doing this for four days. And what some of the challenges and the opportunities have been in terms of helping teachers advance what they're doing and how they're doing it, but some of the challenges that are obviously there and, and some of the ways that now a year into it, you've seen really the fruits of your labor. If you can walk us through that. Number two is, um, I know this because I have the chance to have this conversation with you frequently, the value of team that, you know, you're really working in this vast ocean of these new opportunities, but you, you really are working with a team. Uh, and and speak to speak to our audience, please, about the value of that team that you you have to work with. Um, so let's start with both of those because we'll forget the third one by the time we get to it, anyways.
1: So the first one I believe was about the challenges uh, with uh, working with all different types of teachers. So coming into uh, Halb last year, I was a new person and introducing a totally new uh, just. A lot of new things to the teachers. So we definitely had, uh, had teachers who were not so excited about integrating technology because they really didn't know very much about technology. Um, and the truth is that even some of the teachers that did know things about technology, it's not only the ones who, who are the more senior teachers or, or the ones that, that are less tech-savvy that have uh, reservations about using technology in the classroom. Um, however, I would say majority of our teachers were on board, but we definitely had a, a percentage of teachers who were not as excited.
0: Which is only natural in each and every industry, and I imagine exists in each and every school if i 've been doing something and feel successful uh, correct what, what, what am I doing so uh, so w- without a doubt, that is something that pervades any industry w- that 's being and i don 't like the word disrupted, but okay So, so obviously everything when you come on board has some level of hiccup so just share with the audience for a moment sort of like what that ray of sunshine is a year later because I, you know, I, I remember you walking home not that long ago just from the first day of school this year and you shared with me a couple of pretty interesting episodes.
1: So we definitely have seen a tremendous, tremendous growth in our faculty uh, really over just one year. Uh, the, people aren't scared of technology any, anymore and I think part of it is also because they know that uh, that they have people and this I'll, I'll go into the team um, version you know the, the, the team aspect as well they they have people on on the staff um, you know technology integrators who will hold their hand through the entire thing and just like with my students in my classroom how it's important to have a relationship with them inside and outside the classroom also the relationship that I have with the teachers is also very important so that they know that I'm there for them if they need my support inside the classroom I will make sure that I'm available during their classroom period so that I can help them. Um, but uh, also the things that I'm teaching them, I think they see the value and how it makes their classroom, again, more efficient and more effective. Uh, but the they, they have also seen pride and excellence by uh, being on the cutting edge. And the things that they have seen, uh, you know, whether it's doing their own research on what educational technology offers out there in the world, they have you know either communicated with with other teachers and seen how how fantastic it is, and also the the great feedback that they get from their students and also from the parents as well.
0: So, speak for a moment, please, about the concept of team and uh, and what it's like to be able to access all of the all the great professionals that you have in your school and the, and the and the rest of the it seems almost like a team that you 've got from all the education in, uh, um, integrators that you've got from across uh, across the country, really secular and and Jewish schools, but also your team internally, so speak about what that's been like uh, just briefly in terms of having that internally
1: Yeah. so so in how we're very lucky. Uh, to have a staff of educational tech, technologists. Um, so there's Rabbi Jeffrey Rothman, who is the the head of the academic academic advancements, and I am the educational technology integrator in the middle school, and we have Rifki Wattman, who's in the girls' high school, and we have Rabbi Aaron Fletcher, who's in the boys' high school. And the fact that we have this internal team that we're constantly emailing each other and bouncing ideas off each other, and we meet once a week, To say this, this worked great with, with my division, with my teachers. What, what worked great with you? And just, you know, teaching things to each other is, is fantastic. And in terms of, of educators from other schools, I mean, we've, we've visited a lot of different schools, and hopefully this year we'll be visited by other schools looking to, uh, to enhance their, their educational technology program. Uh, the, the sharing that goes on there, whether it's Twitter or whether it's Instagram or any social networking, is, is phenomenal in this world of educational technology. And there's just there's so much out there to learn.
0: If you are on Twitter and you like the concept of Twitter, follow the hashtag EdChat. Um if you uh if you have an opportunity to follow that, it's just interesting to see some of the innovations that the teachers do share and it, it's nice to see that because you know, I think we began the show with discussing that, you know, the pride and the enthusiasm that we have as our students, we ourselves, our teachers go off on that first day, that first week. Maybe even through the first month of school, and that's it's exciting. That will at some point in time wear off or slow down a little bit, and uh, we'll you know have our frustrations and our challenges and whatever else it'll be. Uh, but also for many of us, significant investments uh, of time, of real money, of uh, commitment, and uh, and for us to know that uh, that it's really the best interest of the students. Uh, that's being looked after for uh, advancements in technology and all sorts of other things, to me, I think gives me a lot of satisfaction with the way the industry is moving. And, and I would say maybe five, six years ago, um, with the national movement of what are we going to do with day schools, what are we going to do with day schools, I think the day schools have stood up and their leadership, credit their leadership, um, professional and lay for being able to do this. And, and the day schools have reinvented themselves to a degree saying – partner with us, we'll take care of it. And to me, that's, that's exciting because we know that is a lifeblood, uh, of what we're looking to accomplish. So I've given you a little bit of time, uh, if you have maybe one vignette or one idea that you wanted to share in terms of if you were a student today or if I were able to interview one of your students right now, maybe one thing that they would add, uh, that has some additional value that you've brought to the table. Um, other than your professionalism and excellence and, and you know, in general uh, phenomenal teaching abilities. Um, but what what might that be, Esty?
1: So I think a student who's normally very shy, who uh, either doesn't participate because, um, you know, they're nervous about what their classmates are going to say or they're just naturally shy, so they just don't raise their hand. Technology gives them the opportunity in in a classroom to express themselves either through a digital forum with the other students or directly to the teacher so that the teacher knows, hey, I really am on board and I really know what's going on and I wanna show it to you, but I'm just not the kind of person that's gonna show it out loud. So whether it's during class, whether it's in an assignment where they can, cre- you know, they can express themselves in a different creative way, it allows all students to really participate.
0: And I think that's probably how we're going to close the show. Sort of how we began it. Whether we're sending our three-year-old off for the first day, or we've got a kid starting their last year of college, or even graduate school, um, it's for all students and uh and all of us. We're we're all lifelong learners uh, to a great degree. Uh, you know, I think that education technology would have made my education career maybe smoother, but I would have lost one of the primary excuses that got me by: of I forgot my homework, or I lost my textbook, or I can't call any of my friends it's after my eight o'clock bedtime or whatever else it would be. Um education technology really at the at the base level mitigates all of that at the advanced level. Just walk into one of these classrooms, pay a visit to many uh, one of the many uh day schools and public schools that are advancing in education, see the smile on the faces of the students and the teachers and the administration, not just in September, but in December and in March and And you'll see that each day and every day uh, is a new learning opportunity and is pretty exciting. Esty, I really wanted to thank you uh, for spending this episode with us, explaining to me, uh, but explaining to our audience uh, what you do, why you love what you do, and how you've been able to succeed and how it's really a growth uh, position. So we very much appreciate that. Thank you, Esty.
1: Thank you so much for having me on your show
0: want to remind the audience that they've listened to the second episode in the second season of Tech Talk here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm your host, R. E. Lightstone. Follow me on Twitter at LightstoneA. You can listen to us on jmandthem.org or nachumsegal.com. As always, we are proud to be sponsored by our dear friends at Adorama Camera, more than just a camera store. Please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. You know, we normally try to have a connection between Tech Talk and the land of Israel, the state of Israel, the innovations coming out of Israel. Um, while we didn't have time on this episode to be able to go through it in depth, uh, I commit to kick off the next episode with some um, meaning and excitement behind that because there were some things that I wanted to ask Estee further about. We hope to get to it the beginning of next week's show again. Uh, Until next week, thank you for listening to Tech Talk here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Bye.